0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 110 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for being with us on this fine afternoon uh, in Tornado Alley. <laughs> so, I've heard a report at least 20, 25 tornadoes uh, struck uh, the, the Midwest last, uh, last night. And I, I came home uh, from work this morning at 3 a.m. Power was out. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I hope I can do the show today. So I apologize for my frazzled nature. I, I already sent an email to Joe apologizing for, uh, for the last episode because I was just all over the place. Um, but we have another one for you. We have Mac Martin, who was the lead designer on the Stargate SG-1 RPG. He's going to be coming on in just a moment here. Before we get started, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube... It would make such a huge deal to me if you click that like button. I know you hear it all the time, but it really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow. I mean, in one year, we're almost at 20,000 subscribers. I, my mind is blown. Uh, please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next uh, few weeks on the Dial the Gate and thegateworld.net YouTube channels. As with all of our live shows, uh, our guest is here. In per- we, we do a, a, a group of live and uh, pre recorded episodes on Dial the Gates, just depending on, on uh, availability of the person. This one is a live show. So if you are uh, uh, watching us through uh, YouTube at YouTube.com slash Dial the Gate, there is a chat window that is open right now. Our moderators are standing by uh, so that uh, you can submit questions to our guest or to myself. Uh, about uh, what we're discussing. So, in this episode, it is the Stargate SG1 RPG. So, let's not keep him waiting any longer. Mr. Mac Martin of the Stargate SG1 RPG, the lead designer. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. How's it going?
1: Good. Good. I'm having t- technical difficulties. So, we've got welcome to my you.
0: world. Right? Several of my I neighbors guess- don't have houses today. So, I mean, I keep Thinking, my lucky stars that i'm just having computer problems oh where are you at i'm in i'm in north nashville okay and, and that's it, it the what, hurricane I've, hit what uh, tornadoes tornadoes yeah it was absolutely madness that's nuts but you i know, we're all I here used to so. live
1: at the other end of tornado alley in texas
0: okay yeah. i remember
1: going down into the the shelter a few times you know
0: yeah, it gets it gets weird. I just keep on reminding myself greater odds are getting struck by lightning, greater odds getting struck by lightning. You know. This is those, one of those irrational fears of like flying, you know, no, you look, just can't help. The
1: sky takes you away. What's not to be afraid of? I know. I don't want to go to Oz. Absolutely. Right? Mother Nature just decided not that one. <laughs> right. <Ling>. You know? <laughs> what do you, what's not to be afraid of? I know. Of?
0: I keep hearing Jeff Goldblum saying, Nature selected David for extinction. <laughs> please not today (laughs) not today yeah no yeah tornadoes are inherently scary absolutely uh mac how long have you been a stargate fan um off and on
1: i would say since the original theatrical release okay um i obviously watched it all when it originally came out on tv um, anything with star in the name was basically <laughs> TV at my household, you know, like we, we from Next Generation to every movie from a Star Trek movie to uh, if you, Stargate. We went and saw the movie. Goodness. My grandma used to drop my cousin and I off at a place called the Birdcage Theater in the summer. OK. And over the summer, you know, they, they had dollar movies, a bowling alley, an arcade and a comic book store like we were in heaven.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a place did, to put the put your kids away. They can go crazy over there. Bucks. And yeah, go spend a day. you're set. Yeah,
1: get a get a combo book. Go bowling. See a movie. It was real cheap. And uh, the only sci-fi movie really playing at the dollar theater that summer was Stargate. But I don't know if Austin and I would have gone to see anything else. We genuinely went and saw that every weekend for. Wow. three
0: months wow so yeah, it was, just, so it mean, was just, like in practically in your dna at the end of those three we, months
1: it was do we go to the comic book store now well let's check what time the next show yeah. in stargate is like we went to plan our day around at least one sitting of the stargate movie yeah kurt, kurt russell was like a god to me all the way through my teenage years what with a uh, soldier <laughs> Another... escape
0: from new york Escape from New
1: York. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hadn't seen those when I when I discovered uh, okay. him with Stargate, and then uh, Soldier, and then Tombstone. No, maybe yes. Tombstone Tomb- then Soldier.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I was in. So Stargate, and then comics. I would imagine that when the Stargates uh, comics hit the comic book store, you, you picked them up. Um, not so much. I
1: wasn't. It was that. Well, there was like a few years before the comic books really started getting carried in the stores I in my see. area. Um, so I missed out on some of those at the beginning, but then I went and I caught them up, caught up on them digitally.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So,
1: but again, it's, this isn't something I've studied, right? Like certain IPs I've worked in, i had studied when I started. So I had to go back and rewatch it again when I was sat down to write the book. Obviously wow. that's just part of the research.
0: So tell us about this journey uh, through the Stargate role-playing game. Were you already a part of Wyvern, Wyvern at this point? Uh, Was this something that they brought you in for specifically for this title? Tell us about the impetus of this.
1: uh, You know, it's kind of a, uh, well, it's a bit of a personal story for other people, not really for me. Right. Uh, But I'll tell it from my perspective. I I feel that's fair. Um, The original designer who had secured the license and had his original vision, uh, Sam Lawyer. Sam? Mm.
0: Uh, Sam's his wife. So, Philip.
1: Phil. Philip. Philip. Thank you. Phil Lawyer shouldn't have gotten that name wrong. Uh, You're good. Uh, f- uh, f- I know him as General Lawyers. <laughs> I exactly. <laughs> I don't know the general's first name. He's a general. <laughs> um, I, c- I came into the project because he had passed away uh, unexpectedly, and they happened to know a friend of mine, David Hanold, who uh, works at oh, – I was going say he worked at Ninja Division, and he recommended me um, to someone to kind of bring the project home.
0: Okay. Wow. So, okay. So, because – of lawyers passing they 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 brought you in to carry that torch forward yeah was that the first time you had um stepped in for someone who had passed on
1: uh yeah honestly it was um i mean i've stepped in for people who have gotten moved to other projects like mm-hmm. i've taken other over other people's projects before but you've always been able to go and ask them questions yeah like uh now thankfully he wasn't very far along um he had he had a. a a good base built he had a good vision document but you know that's where he was in in the project pipeline like that's you know that was that's early on in the process so um it was pretty easy to kind of speaking with the team and and looking at what he had produced to figure out kind of his general vision but but i also Hard wanted to pot. do the start yeah <laughs> his gen yeah I'm <laughs> um, yes i was on purpose very clever am i uh, uh but the uh um there was a lot we needed to do to really give it a personal vision because he hadn't added that yet. Right. And a game like this for an IP like this for a fan base that deserves a good game there needed, we there was a lot that I still got to do. So I, I still feel a lot of ownership over the project, but there is always this, you know, I was taking someone else's general vision forward.
0: Uh, when were you brought in? What, what point is this? Um, what year yes. this?
1: Oh, I don't,
0: how long has this 19, been in development?
1: 2019. Okay. Maybe 2000, maybe late
0: 2018. Okay. Wow. So this is, um, uh, you are, are the, did, how much of the book did you write?
1: Um, every chapter except for the settings chapter. Oh wow. And then I did a, I did a lot in the settings chapter. Uh, most, a lot of the notes are me, but other people had notes, but I, I went through one of the things you have to do when you're working on these things is you have to, um, uh, get everything approved by the IP. And so one of the things that was my job holder
0: MGM. Yeah.
1: MGM. And so one of the things, for instance, in the background chapter, a little inside baseball thing is there's little notes in there. The, uh, writers had all written them and they were, they were all clever when you had them on the same page as what was being written, but then layout kind of moves things. Oh, and, shift
0: stuff's around the page. Yeah,
1: shift stuff's around a lot. So there's a lot of massaging that happens there, but also one of the things that falls on me to do, because that is my job, is for the whole book, I have to make sure it fits the tone of Stargate. Correct. And so for all their major characters, you know, if you're if you're talking about O'Neill, I had to go through and listen to the way lines were delivered, listen to the way he hits punchlines with jokes, because a person typically writes the way they speak. And Correct. And I wanted... O'Neill's you know when he writes something in a margin it has to sound right so that when MGM sees it they go okay that feels right you know yeah, like it sure, feels you're like not, Jack's voice yeah yeah you're presenting him in a you know in a heroic way he's not saying something crazy you know he's he's being funny right like I think at one point I figured, maybe it's him maybe it's another character jokes that they were stuck in a uh, place and the only thing they had to do was read the only book that was there and it was Infinite Jest <laughs> He's like, we need to fix that problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, I'm going through um, uh, the book right now. I've got it, uh, the PDF version on the screen. And one of the things that, okay, come on.
1: I've got my for me. my swanky special edition here.
0: Oh, pull it up again for me one more time. Oh yes, the black leather bound version which I think you can yeah, only now get at at conventions. There's just a few no, left. No, we ran
1: out. We ran out at oh, the they're gone. I think they may be gone gone. Wow. Now, they may find there may be another box or so. Some, you know, there's but we're pretty sure they're gone gone.
0: Wow. Well, I'm, I I believe am, that's
1: what I heard last.
0: I sure am delighted that uh they did as well as they did. Yeah, I'm going through uh uh some of the notes here um the Asgard by Captain Rodriguez so Rodriguez is one of the uh the characters that's been created they're one of
1: our arc iconics kind of the way
0: Exactly it's it's yeah. a pre basically a pre-designed character that you can essentially from out of the box jump in and play if you didn't want to create one of your own Yeah and, and they're all
1: designed to kind of fit good you know stargate fantasy stock characters
0: Correct and you've got kind of a there's a clash here I'm on um just just for instance, page two twenty one. If oh, you'll open fun. your hymnals, yes, um, I was going to make that joke. I, I love the Southern this. Baptist boy over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Twenty one. <221. laughs> so I, um, I, I remembered reading this uh, the, at one of the conventions when I was flipping through. Um, Asgard perspective by Captain Rodriguez. Long of the short, she says. Um, uh no uh, this is very much written by like the perspective of, of a person who's in the field and having to deal with a specific you know set of cir- circumstances um no matter how much the asgard have come to mean to us the bulk of our resources must remain focused on opposing anubis i e this is at uh, mid season 6 um if we or other members of the phoenix alliance can aid the asgard we must do so they are our friends but we cannot risk everything to save them we must remain objective and ensure our own survival and in the margins um Below, it says, uh, there's an, a note from O'Neill. It says, with all due respect, Captain, you are wrong. The Asgard are part of Earth's family, and that means no one gets left behind. And I thought that that was really interesting because, you know, you're you're introducing uh, uh, a character, whole cloth out of this book, and then you're also introducing the voice of Jack uh, as as, being, he juxtap- as he would respond to her. And so tonally, you've got a continuing story pulled out of the broader space of season six that might have been seen had it gone off in this direction. And so it's, it's very vibrant with the, with the texture of the show.
1: It also reinforces how important Jack O'Neill's influence is on Stargate because he's a character with a moral core. And at the center of this adventure is that it's, it's about exploration And we're dealing with a threat that we've discovered because of exploration and it's an existential threat. So, but it's, you know, these are explorers, even the military guys and a character like Jack has that moral core while he is sarcastic, while he has, you know, he does have all that pain from his life. You know, he's, he's still a person who has a like specific code of conduct.
0: Absolutely, and it's interesting. We made uh, I, I had the uh, the Stargate comic guys on last week, and we made a very similar uh, parallel observation. Where it's like everything that informs Jack O'Neill is informed by that. Everything that that informs us of him is informed through that initial loss of his son in the in the film. So his yes. humor, his sarcasm, his anger, all of these aspects of of his mortal coil are. A result of that transformative situation from uh, the movie, so everything is informed from that. So, one of the
1: things I noticed about the show on the rewatch is that consistency of character, not just not just co- and continuity of character. Right? We see him change over time as he learns and grows. He makes mistakes, he owns up to them. You know, we we see the character get become better and makes the show hold up, right? Because. Stargate came out in a time where that sort of tracked narrative over what, how many movies and seasons all together? Because he shows up in other stuff. Like,
0: mm-hmm. it's Continue a character that- we, it's a lot yeah. of content.
1: Yeah, and he there's a lot of continuity of that character that the next step always makes sense. They never have him do anything that at least doesn't make, you know, maybe- May shock us and surprise us as an audience, Mm -hmm. but it never feels incongruent with him as a character.
0: No, and I think we're also willing to give him the benefit of the doubt a lot more because that's true too. uh, You know, he could have said, "You know what? We're along for the ride." But (laughs) he, yeah, we're kind of along for the ride, and and we're we're getting the benefits of of all of his experience, even if we have to put up with a few of his shenanigans. (laughs) So I keep seeing my hair at this angle. I look like this (laughs) This mad scientist. And yeah. I see you got a Grogu on your back.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> strapped to my chair. <laughs> That's cute. The Aturin. Uh,
1: uh, yes.
0: Were they something that you created? Or were they something that was introduced before you that came in they as a were, mandate? Where Where did they the Aturin fall? The...
1: They're one of lawyers. uh, They are. He and the team. Yeah. um, They were, this was part of getting the license is one of the things they wanted players. They, we knew that players would want to do what, one one of the key ones was playing somebody with a symbiote. Like that's a fun new story. That's a very Stargate story. That's a thing that a lot of players can have a lot of different Mm -hmm. takes on and a lot of personal takes that, that are fun to play at home and and explore that concept. Right. Um, I think one of the characters introduced is male, but he has a female a symbiote that's always bonded with females. Uh-huh. And so he has a lot of habits that he's coming to grips with.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and there's a lot of, like, he's questioning his identity. And that's uh-huh. that's all, like, subtext. And, like, like little That's what you that. can do with sci-fi. Right, right. There's, a, there's all these little things. And I, I got to Someone else wrote that, so I don't want to speak for that character because okay. it's personal to them. Uh, but there's a lot of personal stuff that you can do, especially at the table, for fun stuff like that. And the Aturian are an extension of that philosophy. So, just like we knew people wanted to play symbiotes we knew people would want to explore the concept of pacifism. Right. And one of the things that I one of the things I kept bumping into during gameplay is people were like, "Well, we need these feats for knocking people out with drugs and dart guns because my character's a pacifist." And I'm like, "A pacifist doesn't drug someone against their will either." Yeah. Like no. I, that is violence. I know it doesn't yeah. kill them, but that's not a pacifist isn't, I don't murder. That's a Batman thing. Yeah. A pacifist is, I do not commit violence. Yeah. Right? I am not a violent person. I'm not going to harm someone against their will. Or like, take
0: an action upon them against th- their will.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, like, that's the Noxian way. Um, and so, like, that's what you're exploring. So I kind of had to hold a line about how good we could make tranquilizers. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah i keep on going back to uh what was it pretense you know or the only thing that laia is willing to do is is hide a weapon but she's not going to fire it but she will hire hide it because it may ultimately prevent um greater damage from being done
1: and in a good game of stargate your GM should be challenging you in these fun little ways that you as a player can determine where your character's line is. Mm -hmm. Right. We learn about this character when we find out, well, when are they willing to drug someone? Is Mm -hmm. it when they're violent and a a threat to others? Like, are they willing to stop that? Or will they only try to protect them? Like by shielding with, like let them have that moment, give them that choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our tension system plays in a lot to that because it allows the GM to kind of set a, game around a character because a tv show always opens on a character in a place of comfort and i right. we go through the story circle and how to build your your um, your game session like it's a tv show in the book and a lot of that you can set up so that the gm is always kind of testing you you know so that a turin became really key to one of those fantasies that the that the role-playing role players can really play with to get that stargate story
0: and right? it's like the, go ahead Oh, no, no. It's an opportunity for you to introduce a little bit more of a fantasy element, you know? Mm-hmm. Pointed ears and and role-playing fantasy games kind of go hand-in-hand. And if you're going to do a sci-fi one, it gives the fantasy people an in. It's like, okay, I can kind of get this. And, oh, there's a, there's a Stargate species that very much reflects this kind of direction. Yeah you know cuz if there's going to be any species in Stargate Canada that's going to do that it is the Nox but how do you get the Nox to cooperate and i remember going uh a, f- a few rounds not like combative or anything with um uh with, with uh oh, who was it it was Brad uh, Ellis right, okay. and kieran at the time over at mgm we were like trying to figure out how do we make this work conceivably so that when they approach when they approach mgm uh, legal department they'll be like yeah okay we are not the legal yeah. but the story department they'll be like yes this fits this is this is reasonable the and i think the balance in, was great
1: yeah and the technique in, uh, that we employed there is called sandboxing okay. uh that's where we create something that's used only in this sub ip that way if uh, they ever just need to be like okay well we're Overwriting that it only overwrites part of a role-playing game, not like a show, right? It doesn't, it. It's, it's a way to segment out canon.
0: Okay. So in addition to the Aturin, uh, what were some of the other elements uh, that you were excited to uh, develop for this?
1: Uh, for me, it was tackling the process of making d d which is a fifth edition I really enjoy. I like the system a lot. Um, there are quibbles I have with it, but I think that's true of any GM of every system that's ever been, Okay. Right? Like, who doesn't? Uh, but uh, I really wanted to tackle the idea of, of using it as a framework for a game that almost plays a little bit more like an indie game. I know it's got Stargate on it, but I've learned a lot from games like uh, Masks, where okay. a big part of the gameplay about that is about, adhering to the fantasy of being a teenage superhero. (laughs) And it's got mechanics that adhere to that fantasy. People are always trying to manipulate you and convince you to be a certain way. And, you know, maybe they're trying to inspire you, but it's tugging your stats. And your stats change during the game because you as a person change during the game. And maybe now you've changed enough during this moment to overcome an obstacle, or maybe you haven't. Like, it's just a really interesting mechanic that lends itself to that fantasy. And when I was looking at... mechanics for Stargate, it was always about what is the fantasy of Stargate and how does a mechanic make that happen in a role playing game? Um, so, for instance, our game, unlike D&D, we only expect you to maybe get into one fight a game session. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get into a fight in a game session, that is a success. Like, often, a you know, often combat is is the last resort for characters on their missions.
0: Yeah, or the result of other things failing
1: things failing, yeah. although you know sometimes it's fun to have you know the T Rex pops out of the woods and you're like, oh crap, we're on a T Rex world. want <laughs> to grab the P nineties, can we take down T Rex? You
0: know, oh gosh. Sometimes that's...
1: you gotta let the, the the soldiers shine. You know,
0: no, absolutely. <laughs> T Rexes are good for that. But that's the point. Everyone <laughs> has their beat. You know, everyone yeah. has their uh, their moments in in the spotlight. Especially when you have a good GM, mm-hmm. you're going to. Gate master, you're going to have uh, hopefully someone leading you who will recognize that everyone at the table really has to have at least one good opportunity to exercise right. their creative uh, perspective and position and do something uh, fun for that for that episode. If you've got a really good Joss Whedon on your hands, That's- even if you've got a group of Avengers, they'll all have their moment.
1: Yeah, that's the exact idea. And you keep it flowing by tying. You go through and you tie each character into the main thread line, right? So it's, okay, well, how are you helping this person? Like, your character's there. What are they up to? You know, you just move scene to scene. You, you move through your story wheel and you tie everyone into it. And sometimes that's got some action in it. And, you know, if you start off, uh, we, we I teach the GM, I, I tell the GM to do a lot of telegraphing. So you tell them what the tension level of the story is by telling them what the tension die is, which affects a lot of mechanics so that things are more comical on a D4 on the comical sk- episodes. And sometimes they're more, um, uh, life threatening, galaxy threatening at the D12 end. So like, mm-hmm. if you've got, you've decided you're going to give your a soldier or your non-Turin soldier, your uh, Jaffa soldier, uh, a, um, seven samurai storyline, but he's, you're going to throw it on the comical. That's, you know, that can be a lot of fun. That can right there. You it's every scene it's how does he completely trivialize defending this town against bandits, right? Like it's a comical <laughs> episode. It's focused on him. He's like in a Robin hood area. And he's like, I got this, you know, you just watch him from scene to scene. And the, the story goes, you know, you can do a, episodes like that and have a lot of fun with your players. And then at the same time, next, next, episode shift right into d12s and and you know the galaxy's gonna burn if you don't stop it
0: one of the uh moxie this is moxie, this something yeah. that was created for um the game
1: yeah we use the term is used. it pops up in a lot of um wyvern games we like this term okay. because it kind of encapsul- cops, uh, encapsulates uh, a factor a factor of Characters that often is attributed to other attributes in weird ways. Can you and we like
0: the, yeah? Can you explain how this kind of fits in for and 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 repairs not repairs but su- is a substitution for uh, yeah uh, some of the elements that that would normally be in a game like this that works more for Stargate. Yeah, so we have a lot of
1: what are called encounters. It's part of the encounter system. An encounter is a scene in which the player any scene in which the player's success is not assured. And that can be um, trying to convince guards to let you in to see some king on a backwater feudal planet. Uh, That can be um, trying to convince a jury that you're innocent during a military trial. Like there's so many stories you can tell in Stargate that have these moments where you have to convince someone. And so we, we break down the idea into more than just the role playing aspects that That we're used to because a lot of times players don't think about it and they they're just intuitive and that's okay but hopefully your intuitive decision you can look at our three options and see which one it is right so you have to pick an approach during a convince and so now it becomes an encounter it becomes a moment where we're regimented role-playing is happening people are making character decisions they're they're talking in character but we're going through a process and so for that moxie is i know it's a long answer to get back to Moxie, but moxie uh, moxie is the initiative it's how quick your character is to respond in those situations it's how confident they are it's how um adept they are at getting the lay of the land in a social situation right um so you might uh, one of my player characters in mine is he he thought it would be hilarious to play a diplomat from a uh that had been conscripted into the stargate from a world that was basically based on a jane austen novel that the Stargate went to a Jane Austen balls and will we marry Mr. Darcy world. <laughs> and she was the dipl- He was playing a, a, a man who didn't want to get married. Um, he was. And so he, he ran off to become a diplomat for them, but that's where he's from. So yeah. he's like playing basically Mr. Darcy, but in Stargate.
0: Yeah. That and was his it- excuse to, to try to get away
1: yeah and sure he's not you know he's not a pacifist he's willing to learn to defend himself but he is not prepared for that but you put him in a social situation now the moxies he's going first he's leading the way he's you know in there but then it's also a dice roll so sometimes that guy's not going first someone else has has been asked a direct question and they're going first and they may have to stammer out an answer and the guy who's got the high moxie may have to come in and solve that situation back them up like now, an encounter is happening, and a story is unfolding, and player decisions are getting made, and we get an opportunity to throw in the quips and kind of write a scene together, like a writer's room.
0: What? Um, I, obviously, you did not you did not write this thing, an island unto yourself. Uh, but when you were, uh, uh... well, I yeah,
1: the background section was other people, but I I did write every word and the rest of it.
0: Yeah, but you didn't do that. I mean, you you were you were consulting people while you Yeah, did oh that, yeah, right? yeah. No, no, it definitely didn't
1: happen in a vacuum. No, no, right. no. No, no, no. no. Uh, I have a lot of people who get who have design credit for good great reasons.
0: Absolutely. What uh were some of the more sticky parts of this thing to create and what were just a breeze? Like, oh, I've got this firing on all cylinders. This is easy. And then, whoa, I've got to figure this thing out and interpret it and take my time with it.
1: I think the hardest hurdle is the misconceptions about what certain terms mean okay um we as gamers have accepted certain terms that are broad and they used to mean separate things an example is people often equip equivalent health and hit points health points and hit points but they actually represent different things okay a health point represents I've gotten hit by a bullet. I lose this many health points because my health has been damaged by this bullet that has struck me. It's a health bar that comes down. It's used in a lot of video games. Yeah. It's used in a lot of role-playing games. It's a health bar. Hit points originally, and we haven't been using them this way in a long time, but originally they came from uh, chainmail. They came from a war game. A hit point. Wasn't a hit. You took, it was a hit you didn't take. That's why fighters in D&D have a higher hit points is they can block and parry more hit points are representative of that. It's a hit. They negate it. Okay. And the damage would have been this much. So it takes that much from their hit, but a fighter, they might get hit on the armor. They might get a little cut or a Nick, but it's nothing that's going to impede them until they've been hurt down to zero. And I'm using that classic definition of hit points because they represent great movie hit points that make guns function thematically. A gun in real life, you get hit by it, you're probably going down. So we have thresholds. Until you're at half hit points, you are scuffed. You haven't okay. even been hurt. We call that scuffed. We have mechanics that work off of it. And then under, under that is wounded. And that's, you know, you might be bleeding a little bit. You might have a sprain, but you are not down until you hit zero. And then we find out how bad it is with the tech, with the roles to see.
0: And also the fact of the matter is you're telling a story here. This is not yeah. designed to be real life. This is designed to emulate. Star yes. That's exactly right. Wow. That's just crazy. Um, and,
1: and, and that was a hard one to get past. Cause a lot of people's balance feedback, which was really good feedback, but a lot of it came from the idea that they didn't like that. Characters felt like bullet sponges. I'm like, well, yeah, how many times is Jack O'Neill shot at, but not hit? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was him losing 10 hit points. Whoa. What was that? You know, that, that got his attention.
0: <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, How is it? How hard is it balancing the expectations of, of a TV episode with a three hour, um, gaming session where, okay, you've got to fit all of that in somehow. And, that's how
1: the writer's room technique comes yeah. into play right a, th- a two hour tv or an hour long tv show is not written in an hour why right. would i expect my players to be able to figure out what their character would do as rapidly as it has to happen on the show when hollywood writers don't do that right you're trying to get that same consistency of character that we see in the fantastic writing of stargate right when we watch the doc either of them uh the docs progress through their storylines in stargate we're invested because they have that consistency of character we want that consistency in the char- consistency in the characters we're playing and sometimes if the gm is giving you something difficult to tackle sometimes that's a moment where you're like oh i don't know what my character is going to do right. and the other players talking to you with, about your character because they've gotten to know it too because they're the audience as well as participant as as play actors so it's it's tricky to do when you're not giving moments to stop and think well what's about what's your approach what's samantha carter's approach to legally defending her friend in court Mm -hmm. right here are the three options what do you think your now your character is doing that what do you think one of those you know are you going to tackle this very you know using intelligence and be very logical and state the facts because you believe the facts are on your side or are you going to you know you you don't think that the system is just and you're being much more persuasive uh, and confrontational. Like you get all these options that aren't, you know, that are ways to nuance your actual lines that you give, you know, you get to write, you get a moment to decide what line you're going to write.
0: Can you give us, if I can take a a left turn, can you give us a little bit for, for those who are, are thinking of, of uh, playing or those who are really big into the canon and the, the minutiae, of uh of the stargate franchise can you give us a little insight into the new uh system lord that you introduce in this game
1: hey I, I can give a little bit we're talking about what i think i'm saying his name right yep um that is lee's baby okay so, uh lee is uh uh in charge of our uh what are called our seasons we're doing um we do seasons and episodes uh we need to put them in quotes so people know that they're not tv episodes because online you know people might get confused. Correct. <laughs> if you call it season, this episode, this of, of that, people get really, so there's always quotes in ours. Uh, but uh, the, um, uh, we, we run our uh, organized gameplay like a season. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be 13 episodes and they're going to follow the system in our book so that you've, uh, or, I mean, Lee's obviously taking uh, as many liberties as he wants with it. Cause it's his basically campaign to run um and so i do not honestly know what he's gonna do with (laughs) what okay we've had mechanics discussions where he comes to me he's like hey if i wanted a character to do this what would be a fun way to do it i'm like oh maybe this you know like, all right let me talk to some you know it's like you know we we got to finally meet for the first time at um uh Mm comic-con this weekend so that was a it was a great guy to meet and we got to chat a little bit i got to uh i got to push him to do something he doesn't want to do he's not going to do it but i so i can't make fun of it right now but
0: (laughs) okay yeah i get the impression that he's kind of turning out to be kind of the the uh apophis for um uh, season one of whatever this this game is going to turn itself into i'm I'm hoping that uh there's going to be some surprises there
1: i think i think there's some coming from what i've been told um i have an inkling uh, but you know, now I, now I, now I know the fear Tom Holland feels every time he's on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't make me say anything. These,
1: these are not spo- my spoilers to give. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Even if you could give a spoiler, in general, it's like those aren't even mine. Right? Uh, They're
1: not mine to give. And what's worse is I'm going to get it wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Have uh how how was meeting fans at Comic Con, and how has been? How has the reaction been to watching? The stratospheric success of the Kickstarter. Um, it's
1: been fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully doing more books soon, and uh, it's just really got me fired up to to crank out some Stargate. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, hopefully doing some new stuff soon. There's, you know, I, Brad's working on stuff. I don't know what the what the minutia of it is in now, but but I. I know I would really like to uh, tackle Atlantis and or the re- mm-hmm. and the rest of the seasons. I don't know in what order we might do those or anything, but I mean, all the fan stuff. They're like, "What are, what are you going to do this next?" I'm like, "Gosh, gosh, I hope."
0: Like, Absolutely, <laughs> you know. There's that's so, the thing about Stargate. It is such a it's such a a, a wide open tapestry. You know, Atlantis may every, be the next logical step, but it may not every, be. It may, it may f- wait a while.
1: Well, you know, and you got to ask yourself when every every fifth fan who every fifth fan who comes up and knows Stargate, you know, cause it's Comic-Con. So about 20% of the people are, are people like, Oh yeah, Stargate. Yeah, awesome. they have seen that. Right. Like they've seen it. They know what they're talking about. They, you know, a lot of people dressed as, as Jedi and Deadpool are like, oh Stargate, you know, exactly. <laughs> right. I'll get my picture with that gate. So, yeah. We got a lot of, yeah, we got a lot of crossover with your San Diego Comic-Con geeks, right? Like, uh, uh, and so with every about fifth person to come by just to, just to, to, be excited about stargate is about half of those are like oh so the next one going to be atlantis like right. they're all like, I need my momoa thump 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 the wrist. You're like right. where's my momoa <laughs>
0: <laughs> no they want that they they want yeah. that uh, different kind of energy um yeah i i would love to see it uh go into atlantis but not necessarily the the next one i mean if if that's what you guys want to do then great but i I, i'm willing to play in your sandbox for a while
1: right yeah yeah we're gonna have to see what what brad wants to do on that one i think
0: absolutely brad and
1: wes have a uh, a pretty clear vision of of where they want to go and i I think i think we've talked about it i think i know where we want to go but i don't want to speak for them
0: absolutely what do you think um a, a lot of the people who are watching this uh have have not played uh tabletop role-playing games uh what do you think is is a good incentive to get them out there especially the people since the people that you're talking to are, are stargate fans to get them interested in this
1: especially if you've never if you've got an entire group who's never played but this is the sort of thing that interests them the idea that you're going to uh order pizza get get some friends over Uh, maybe your fellow Stargate nerds and your family. I know I've got a lot of those and just run a game like this is a one-off. Maybe it's not something your group is going to do again. I think Stargate is a really good entry point. It's using a current rule set. That's very intuitive. The fifth edition D and D rule set, but I've taught, I hope I've given instructions to the GM on how to do everything they need to do that are very clear cut, but that get them writing their own stories and if they're not comfortable with that we've got our season coming out online and you can just play through it at home and have a tv show that you're playing through and it's kind of fun to write those characters and get the opportunity to to play a character that isn't just progressing as a person mechanically but also as a as a character and you get to really make a tv show at home it's a lot of fun
0: i think one of the interesting things that um I've taken away from what you guys are doing is that there is, there is, there is an intent to get feedback from the fan base Hmm. in terms of uh, what is uh, happening in individual play sessions and collating that data together to help evolve the story for, for the living experience. Like it's actually going to influence and help shape the, the content that's coming out
1: player success that's reported into us matters and uh will influence yeah uh Lee is writing it he's writing new episodes as he sees what's happening in old episodes like how the success rates are going and the stories he hears from cons and that sort of thing that's so just a crazy. Lot of, yeah it's uh there's um there's a couple little uh there's a couple little Easter eggs where if you look at it you're like ah he's hinting that it was this table at this at this game that that we were at this one convention where it was really funny and they had that funny line about a pineapple or something. And, you know, it's obvious that he's describing the pineapple group, you know, (laughs) little, I, I, I can't remember the exact one. It wasn't that, but you know, he's, he's got a couple of little ones in there where if you're looking for him, you might, might see your group and be like, Hey,
0: I'm pretty sure that's us. (laughs) Absolutely. I think one of the things that, uh, we can also, uh, push home about, uh, uh, A game like this is that you don't have to all physically be in the same space my best friend is now living you know 1500 miles away and and i don't get to see him uh more than like one or two times a year if i'm lucky but uh we can still get together on zoom and do things like sit down and play this there's
1: several free uh resources online uh roll 20 uh, is free to everyone. There's a subscription model on it, but you can play this on Roll20. We have a Stargate character sheet there, um, and that's a virtual tabletop as well. Um, I know people who play it on Fantasy Grounds and a variety of other virtual tabletop, but you could also play this game purely on Discord using a DiceBot.
0: DiceBot?
1: Yeah. It's a um, bot that you bring into your Discord and it'll roll the dice for you.
0: Wow. that is. Legit.
1: You just have to invite them, and then you type in keys, and
0: it's, and it's just an ai it's just an ai That's it's crazy. just a
1: bot you throw in there <laughs> So crazy. i mean well it's not i wouldn't call it an ai it basically has a series of uh math functions that'll do where it randomly generates numbers for
0: okay you. so it's not an intelligence per se but it, it responds it, it right. knows what it's peddling yeah you would do okay. exclamation
1: point roll space 1d6 plus 5 and it would roll that
0: how long does it take to really figure this out and get going out of the box if this is something that you've never done before based on uh, the guidelines that you've put in the book if we're following the book If you want
1: to do this and you i would recommend a new gm to read through he doesn't need to read the entire bestiary right like a lot of that stat blocks you don't need to read that uh he can also skim a lot of the mechanics you should definitely read character creation and the background section which is a fun read and then the gate mastering section and i think once he's read maybe that 40 pages okay And it will hopefully make sense. You know, there's a big intro. We walk people through it. We're not, it's a very, it's an instruction booklet, but it's also one that's, I wrote from a very personal, like I'm talking to a real person instruction set. This is designed with the fifth edition writing style, which, you know, a lot of fifth editions accessibility is because the writers of that book knew how to write it so that normal
0: people could read it. Yeah. They're wanting to broaden their audience.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I've written games for rules lawyers too. And there's a very different way you write and it's about what the audience wants. And for this, the GM has a lot of power, you know, we're writing a show it's where this isn't a tactical war game, you know, this isn't something like (laughs) Malifaux where there are tournaments and it's about that balance of interplay and, you know, guessing, bluffing, you know, like that's a whole different game. You know, (laughs) Got it.
0: I have a couple of questions for you from fans. Oh! Oh! Fantastic! Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, I think uh, we've already kind of already addressed this, Martin uh, uh, Vernowski. Are there any full campaign modules planned for the RPG?
1: Um, that is something that we definitely discussed. I yeah. that would be more like a box. Set. I yeah. I'm a sucker for settings like Ravenloft, though. Okay. Like, I would if I'm going to do something like that. And again, this is big spitballing, just to give him an <laughs> answer, then, then we've talked about it. Um, one of the things I think would be cool to do, and that's the level of, sta- that's the level of development it has, um, is a box set like Ravenloft, where you go through the gate and we introduce you to a world. And it's about exploring that world and going back to your gate and coming back to that world. And uh, maybe doing something weird like that world's on a, you know, is... is rapidly going forward in time so every time you leave to go home to, to resupply and stuff they have advanced 10 years or
0: it's like narnia years
1: yeah they've got yeah. a narnia problem right <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yeah you, we could do a lot of little little fun stuff with it i think it'd be fun to to do a uh setting where you spend an entire season in this box you know with this one map that we can you know do like a little box set on it with a map and stuff do more than just a you know create a season adventure but more more of like a, a little campaign setting.
0: That's why I think there would be a, a an opportunity to allow a chance to breathe between mm-hmm. this and Atlantis and whatever you're going to do next. If you could you want to make a uh take a radical direction and, and really take us down the rabbit hole into Wonderland with with your approach on what an SG season, your guys your your whole team's approach on what an SG season could truly be like, were it told in a bottle. Yeah. You know? Um, because I think there, there's even talk about bottle episodes, (laughs) right? But I think there's, there's the the, the Milky way is huge and there's little pockets of it that you could get lost in. Plus we're
1: talking about Stargate. If you want to get crazy at home, get crazy at home. Right. (laughs) Um, some of the (laughs) most fun stuff I've done. I mean, it's no one's mistaking this for Canon, right? Uh, one of the campaigns I run, I, I, I ran a teenage mutant Ninja turtles get sent to Ravenloft campaign once. Like they were just playing the four bro- brothers. Like we had a crazy fun time. Like you don't have to get serious with this at home if you wanna. If you wanna get a l- little loose with it, it's you know.
0: But the fact of the matter is, if you wanna follow the book and the uh, the the living campaign with the episodes that as they are in place, uh, they're they're being strict enough that uh, were Brad's Stargate to come back, they could run side by side and and no yep. one would be. The wiser for for any any conflicting information, it would all just make yeah. It sense. shouldn't
1: it shouldn't have any problem. Yeah, because there's I don't think there's going to be any overlap problem there. No, especially
0: because we're talking Over- about right now season six. You know, and you could jump the series ahead a couple of years. You know, bring us up. to I want to
1: a- make sure a book has enough stuff to be worth being a book.
0: Yeah, um, it's its own
1: so thing. So it may I I suspect it's about seeing how much we don't have. It's about looking at the rest of Stargate and identifying what we haven't put in book and what we have and deciding how many books of material is that really? Cause yeah. I don't want to stretch it out to stretch it out.
0: Yeah. Right? Just for the sake of it.
1: Just for the sake of it. If there's one more good book to get everything else, you know, and Atlantis, you know, like as many seasons as Atlantis does, does, they don't add a ton of things. The game doesn't currently do there's stuff to add. Yeah.
0: It's a location but, uh, change. And location change. The characters, oh, well, just the, the enemies, can you can play with enemies,
1: them. Enemies, uh, starships, there's more space combat. Yeah, like, that's true. You know, there's there's mechanics we need to add in. There's a lot of little things that another book would do good on, but is that an Atlantis book that also catches us up on, you know, the rest of the season, or is there a season book, you know, for SG-1? Is there another book there? It, there's a lot of things to take a look at. We just don't want... I I would hate to... Stretch that material too thin.
0: Understood. Keenan Mock. hello, Keenan. Uh, asked uh, Mac, great seeing you at SDCC. My question: Did MGM oh, have? Sorry.
1: No, that was just that's great. I was, was having to meet everyone there.
0: Yeah, it was just terrific. I did the same. Uh, did MGM have any specific direction or objectives? Or were they primarily providing notes uh, to the content created uh, by Wyvern? Like, was there any like set thing going on?
1: I've worked with a lot of license holders in the past. Um, they had specific notes. Um, often things I never thought about because I'm thinking about build, writing a role-playing game, um, things that they needed us to do to make their life not a living heck. Uh, <laughs> like, look, we can, can you give us an example. Oh, I shouldn't. I should, I feel okay. like I'm, I feel like, I feel like, An ex- I think one example I've already given is making sure that we put, season and episodes in quotes because for the first time i heard that i'm like what who's going to confuse a role-playing game for a tv show they're very different things and then i thought they're not when you're just writing about them online like if someone's just perusing it if the bots that go through there's a thousand ways our world works now that i had not even thought about i'm like oh right okay so putting it in quotes does a lot to 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 make sure that everything makes sense uh, when people look at it and know. Um, and I'm like, can I do it in italics? Can I do this? And they were like, quotes is what shows up in this. And I'm like, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they, they have to, you know, so there's, there's feedback like that, that happens on any project, right? I'm, I'm not, I've gotten good enough at my job. I think that I build these things knowing the IP well enough that I get feedback and they go through the process, but it's usually, nobody ever comes back to me with, you can't do that. What are you thinking? And I'm like,
0: sorry. <laughs> like, you're already dialed in enough where yeah. certain problems are not going to manifest. Like, like yeah,
1: there's no, you're never going to, you know, I'm never going to introduce a, a, a Jaffa that, that, that is completely the antithesis of anything that would exist in the world, you know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to try
1: and sneak a Wookiee into the game.
0: Well, or a Jaffa <laughs> that doesn't have a symbiote pouch. That's simply not a Jaffa. That's
1: you
0: know, not a, that would be a human. It would be a human. Like, Ra, Ra didn't use Jaffa. Like, I mean, they may have backsold that later on, but O'Neill says in the pilot, there were no creatures like this on Abydos, so. Akos uh, wanted to know, uh, was your development team concerned at all that, that the Phoenix uh, uh, sites and this content would be compared to the, or mixed up with the previous RPG from AEG 20 years ago?
1: It's an unfortunate. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I really like that system. It was based, I believe, on the Spike. I want to say it was called Spikecraft. Maybe it was called something else. System. Um, and I really like that game. Um, if I get mixed up with that, that's just that sounds great to me. That's that's, <laughs> okay. that's good company to get mixed up in. Um, it's it's an unfortunate. I think. Uh, uh I mean, it's going to happen because they're both RPG set in the same setting. Um, the they are very IP, different yeah. though. Yeah. Same IP there. So uh, they, we are very different. Um, uh, I it, Ours is a much more modern game, right? We've seen games change over time. Um, I'm behind the times on one thing. So i have got to, I don't know. I got to figure out, I got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got some guff at uh, Comic-Con for the fact that our uh, alien races have prescribed stats, prescribed stat bonuses.
0: Why? why well why is, uh, well that is, is um uh, that, that is
1: part uh, uh well that it's a uh, it's a holdover mechanically from d and d which has a holdover from old school writing styles in in the 50s which were had a lot of inherent racial bias I see all orcs are evil and strong and dumb
0: oh I see okay and that was so coded language for them okay
1: mm-hmm. so uh, ours so I I think that's a really valid point, and I'm hoping a lot of GMs can see that it's very easy at home to be like, yeah, you can change where that bonus goes. Like, yeah, "Yeah, you can be a smart – you know, you can be a smart this. That's not a problem. You have to Um, start
0: somewhere and have uh, – you have to start somewhere. But also you have to have – you're balancing a mechanic out, Mm -hmm. and you can't just have everything be uh, – I'm
1: going to be honest with you. The stats that those give – They make they make a difference on individual roles. They come into play. but we're talking about a plus two, it's a five percent change. Mathematically, balance wise, the way our game works and the way combat works with number of hits to take down, players see hit points, but but designers see number of hits to reduce the enemy to non functional. Uh, (laughs) Okay, uh, because that's number of rounds of combat, which is a much more important balancing factor because that's what the players feel, even if it's not what the players see the players will get excited over a big crit, but if, if they only had five hit points, that big crit was as good mechanically balance wise as a, as a dagger, right? Okay. So um, an important part of, of player expectations is balancing how long fights take. And honestly, the plus two, the very small bonuses that are like that can easily be shifted around and are very unlikely to affect the player character's experience only his perception of the character. He'll see when that plus one mattered. Understood. And that will that will create Ludo narrative for them. They'll create a story in their head about what their character's experiencing.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, narratively, we're building on those things as we move forward. Exactly. Anyway, so. so
1: honestly, the mechanic that players a lot of players will think has to be there for that stat to make sense for that math to make sense. When you actually look at the gameplay experience, that plus two is fairly minor and we can free that up to just be like, yeah, add a plus two wherever you want because you're defining this character. Not, not, you know, the default, the defaults are probably more there for the GM to figure out averages across the society. Got it. We try, I try to count. I try to express them culturally, not biologically.
0: Okay uh our silk may also
1: th- be problematic
0: our <laughs> silk do you think mgm might use any of the ideas or storylines from the living series to influence uh the next stargate
1: that would be a great honor i'm not holding my breath
0: okay that they've is- got writers
1: who look they've got writers who have their own ideas and they're the guys who get to play with their ideas that's true <laughs> so you know like they they've got guys who know what they want to do with stuff and that's their that's their job <laughs> Uh, if they if they see something we did, and they're yeah. like, "This is awesome, let's do it," then I'm honored. But
0: <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about the IP, you know. Once MGM owns it, you know they can they can take it in different directions. So if if they chose to, uh, Jesse Davis, uh, this may be a Brad or Lee question, but are there uh, any chances of making some standard maps for the Living Campaign or uh, for Roll Twenty, other platforms?
1: We do have some standard maps available on the website. Yep. Um, you can build the, the Phoenix site since you know you're going to have a lot of, a lot of stuff that happens at home, right? You might might want to have that Phoenix site base. and then it comes with uh, I want to say there's an out of 4C outdoors on the flip sides, maybe. I have to look okay. at that, uh, but we we saw some small markups, which I really liked because people were just used. They were dry erase, and people were able to use them on a smaller set uh, setup. But then uh, I think I think they're pretty big. The files you get, so we've got some available, and it's definitely something we're we're wanting to provide. Yeah, thankfully, a lot of resources already exist for taking your Stargate characters a pl-
0: to a place. Um, Absolutely, yeah. The the Stargate R- at Stargate the RPG dot Um, those are available for purchase, um, as well as the individual uh, episodes. And I'll talk about that a little bit more, uh, after I'm off, off the line with you here. Um, but there are, there is stuff out there. It's just at stargate, the RPG.com. Yes. Um, and I
1: think right now those are available in print too. You can get them printed and sent to you.
0: Legit. Uh, Erica Strom, when will the game and bits be available in the UK? They're not available there now?
1: Um, Everything's gotten. It's on a boat. We're we're okay. literally, yeah. We're we're stuck in the same stuck everyone else is, and we're as soon as we have a definitive answer, we're definitely. I'm sure Brad and it is a Brad or West question, okay. uh, but yeah, it we it's there are issues shipping wise that are currently with the UK and us out of our control. Um, we're 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 trying to urge that along as rapidly as we can.
0: Hashtag COVID people yeah has yeah as soon as we
1: can do anything about it we as soon as paperwork comes through it we can sign i'm sure Mm -hmm. these guys are on it it is their number one priority i i I, i've got they got that question a lot at con yeah so i heard them discuss it a lot it is definitely their priority
0: there's just a snowball effect from all the stuff that we've dealt with so Mm -hmm. we have to we have to deal with the cascade as it comes
1: we want it in your hands as bad as it's printed it exists we want (laughs) to get it to your house as fast as we can we are very motivated
0: I'm interested to see how you'll handle this one because I have no, I have barely an inkling. Chris Posato, for living series, I feel pacifist characters should not have to gain attack specialist feats granted at levels 5, 11, and 17. Could other feats be chosen or could you create a pacifist feat tree? Does that so- mean anything to you?
1: Yes. Okay. So what I've only is, played a
0: couple of these. I'm like, uh, what? At, so the, the
1: explanation for people who are like, what did that guy just yeah. say? <laughs> um, as your character levels up, there are certain, po- certain points where you start rolling more damage. Right. The, you've yeah, got you more points. The, yeah, you're stronger. The enemies are stronger. Um, and at those points, you get to roll more damage. And in our game, you get those automatically as you level up. You get, you get that with one weapon type. Okay. Now, you can pick them up with your feats uh, for other weapon types, but you get them automatically for one um that is simply a system that's in place in fifth edition and it's part of the fifth edition's curve i don't really consider those feats part of the character's power however that's a fascinating way to look at it and i hadn't thought about that and maybe there are some fun things we can do with alternate Mm. versions of that my character's got this trait so he replaces his uh Automatic attack specialist feats. I think that could be a really fun thing to play with in the future. Okay. I think, honestly, I uh, the reason, yeah, that could totally happen. That's a great idea. Thanks for letting me steal that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Right
1: now, I got to give someone else a design credit.
0: <laughs> Chris Posato. Yeah, I no, let me is. write that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I'll never remember where I got that. We're so <laughs> far ahead of when I'll be able to do that. <laughs> Mac, but he'll is... see it in print and hopefully be like that was me I'll have to sign his book. Absolutely if he ever finds me and says that was me. I will I'll have to sign that book and give him proof.
0: <laughs> what um are you looking forward to the most about uh the franchise and about the potential for this this project to be renewed into Atlantis? Um the what, what does the future look like do you think?
1: Can I be a I'm so basic because I'm just a Stargate fan at heart. You know, yeah, I'm you're just basic. a kid. I'm so basic, right. You know, give me a vanilla latte, please. Um, <laughs> oh no, it's pumpkin spice right now. Where's my pumpkin spice. Anyway, um, edgy. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where Stargate goes in the future from MGM and Amazon mm. and seeing what we, what comes of that. Like so many fans at SDC, SDCC. We're like, so what do you what have you heard about about a new show? I'm like, oh, guys, I'm a fan with you on this one too. What have you heard? Oh, gosh, I hope. <laughs> yeah. What have you heard? I haven't been reading the I haven't been reading the rumor wheel. Tell me My more. Heads down,
0: creating this book. Yeah, like
1: uh, I'm. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is if if really this pie in the sky dreams would be people start really liking the game, uh, we start producing stuff, and then there's new content they're producing, and we get to do do all kinds of fun play. And if, like there's there's all kinds of pie in the sky stuff that I could dream about but honestly what I'm really looking forward to is getting another, a chance to do another book I really like the setting um, I really think uh, I, what we did holds up on its own it's designed to play on its own and give you all the tools you need to figure it out in the future but i I have a lot of fun stuff I could do design wise that I really like to tackle with another book apparently now replacing a tax specialist tree
0: <laughs> add it to the bottom of the list <laughs> well you've got a hell of a team uh you really it, do it was it was a, a privilege to get to to proofread it and 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 watch it evolve and it was it's it's a privilege to have you on to finally uh discuss it. and i'm really glad uh you've you've uh thank, you've joined me thank you so much for having me absolutely man so let's uh let's let's get another book out and do another one so hopefully yeah. uh MGM will will give us a green light. So, yeah, that's all what we're right, I'm going to show off uh, uh, the website a little bit here, and uh, but I'm going to go ahead and and let you go. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me again. Thank you, Mac. Be well. Mac Martin, Stargate SG-1 RPG uh, lead designer. We've got. Uh, let me let me pull this up here. I've got the uh, the RPG, the role playing game, pulled up website I apologize it's cut off a little bit um but this is stargate the rpg.com t h e r p g and uh over here is where you can get um uh, the book that i have been showing on the screen uh today this is a physical co- i'm a completist so i like to get all the the uh physical content that i can get my hands on but this is the core rule book that i've been showing Uh, on the screen today. So if you click on the store over here, you can get that in the Stargate role-playing game. Uh, Also, there is a PDF uh, version. This is the the one that I've been literally showing on uh, the screen. You can access it uh, here as well, and this is available for for $10. Uh, I like them both for different reasons. The physical copy, because you can literally... um, uh, There's tabs on the side here so that you can... And they're all color-coded differently depending on the chapter that you're in. So I apologize for the slowness of the computer. So you can can see at a glance when you're going down the side of the book uh, what section you're in. But also with the PDF here, the advantage of that is that you've got this content tab and everything is organized. And also indices. We all love indices. And they are hotkeyed. So you can click on something and it'll take you to the page. So that's really legit. Uh, You can also pick up from them... Uh, and I showed this a little bit earlier. Some of these map tile tiles and uh, miniature designs for three D printing. This is one that Wes uh, worked on uh, himself, and it is one of the most detailed uh, uh, Stargate assets that you can print from a three D three D printer. In my opinion, it is it is extremely uh, amazing. And so these are all assets that are available on uh, StargateTheRPG.com. This will also uh, is a space where you can uh, meet other players uh, and get involved in some gaming groups on your own. All right. Again, I appreciate uh, Mac for joining us. This was this was truly a lot of fun. Uh, Dial the Gate is brought to you uh, every week for free, and we do appreciate you tuning in. But if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering T-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com. From the merchandise club, you can click tab, you can click on a specific design to see what items are being offered. Check out is fast and easy, credit card or PayPal. Just visit dialthegate.com or straight to dialthegate.com slash merch and thanks so much for your support. We are going to have one more week of shows uh, next week. I'm thinking I'm gonna do a last minute trivia episode, bring the trivia game back gang gang back of any of them who wants to join us. Uh, on the 18th. So still, that is uh, uh, building the outline for uh, the shows that we're going to have next weekend. And also, uh, the designer of uh, some of the props that we have on this set is going to be joining me to uh, discuss some of them in greater detail. And we're going to have an unboxing video as well that I've saved from uh, earlier this year when I acquired uh, some of, of these pieces. So looking really forward to that thanks so much to my producer linda gate Gaber fury to my moderators today i had uh who did i have here in the chat it was it was summer and tracy and anthony I appreciate you guys so much for for, uh, making today's episodes possible. Big thanks to Frederick Marcoux at Concepts Web, our web developer, and a big thank you to Jeremy, our webmaster. He keeps the site up to date as well. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. I appreciate you tuning in. One more episode, and then we are off for a couple of weeks for the holiday season. I appreciate you so much for continuing to make this show possible and continuing uh, to tune in. I'll see you on the Style the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acre. Animations by Bryce Orrs. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening.